Mikey in T minus <laughs> ten. Welcome to Crikey, what a shit book. Now, this is the first episode of Crikey, what a shit book, so it might be a little bit touch and go. But uh, it's 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 me, I'm Carlisle, and I'm here with my friends Toby and Jack. What's going on with you guys? Cool to see that my name's last. It's good to know where <laughs> it's in Well, it's ranked in importance, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. I figured. Yeah, yeah, only natural. Um, I'm doing good. Because I feel, yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I've, I've been desperate to talk to you guys about this book for so long. So what we're doing, the concept of this show, is we're going to be reading Legacy of the Sky People, which is a sort of collaboration by genuinely the 8th Earl of Clancarty, <laughs> Nick Redfern, Sean Castile, and Tim Schwartz. And the Legacy of the Sky People is a book which is a sort of... It's like a, it's like a collection of, like a larger book called The Sky People and they're like four little pamphlet-y sort of things. Mm -hmm. And The Sky People was a book written by Nick Redfern and released in the 80s all about how Adam and Eve were aliens and there are two secret races of aliens and they rule over us and all the proof, all the definite, real, special, verifiable proof. Um, um, so just human history, really? Yeah, so just wait. regular human history. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But that's not this book. That's not this book. This book is Legacy of the Sky People, which oh. contains the entirety of the Sky People, but also some extra things that they think make it more believable, maybe? Oh, so this is, is this like the New Testament? Yeah, this is the, this is the Bible. Testament. It contains both the Old and New Testament. The revised this is the New Testament, but it, it, that's kind of undercutting its importance, I think. All right, oh. okay. I <laughs> uh, don't undersell it. So I think this one came out in the 90s so it's a kind of like just add on bit so it doesn't start with the sky people it starts with men are from mars meetings with the remarkable brinsey lapoa trunch eighth earl of clancarty uh then we get alien secrets on the mountain then we get okay. angels or aliens ancient contacts with Natural. the sky people then we get <laughs> wait they we name have... drop ancient aliens <laughs> I don't know if Ancient Aliens existed at this point. How old is Ancient Aliens? This is for people who are aware of Ancient Aliens. A lot of the same people are involved in this. Um, which means you know it's going to be good. Because that show is bananas. After that we get, we have met the Martians and they are us. <laughs> <laughs> an what? interview with Brad and Sherry Steiger. That's an interesting uh, take. Sean Castile. That's new to me. Then we get Ancient Aliens and their true relationship with God Almighty. <laughs> Oh, an interview, course. an interview with Giorgio Sukalokos, uh, which you will recognize as the guy with the big hair from Ancient the Aliens. aliens or if you're not someone who's watched Ancient Aliens, the guy from the meme where the guy is saying aliens. Basically because aliens. <laughs> because aliens. Um, and then finally, after all that, we get, you know, a good half of this book, which is The Sky People, the original text, by oh, Brinsley and Poe Trench. Wonderful. Yeah, it's at the end. So the, all, all the all the stuff before is just more kind of scene setting. Oh. And this book is kind of okay. evolved in concept. Because I got it, it's June as we're recording this. I got this for Christmas. 
um, I asked my mum, I was like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, give me this weird fucking book. And she was like, all right, man, I don't, you've really changed. Your tastes have changed. Um, I like, I have ambitions for it. Um, but yeah, give me this book. And at first I thought I was going to take notes on it and like give you guys like the crib, the crib notes, you know, I was just talking about the stuff that I found hilarious. And that kind of, it was a bit of a, it's a bit of a slow start. So that was all right to begin with. Um, but as things got on, it got to points where I was basically just highlighting like entire pages. Like, I don't know if you can see my camera, yeah. but like, there's no point in highlighting at this point. Like I've just done an entire page. So then I was like, I mean, this is worse. Look at this. <laughs> Oh my god. It's just all gold, really. Page 11, there are like eight words that aren't highlighted. Um, So then I was like, okay, so I guess I'm going to continue this um, and I'll just highlight things so I have them for reference material. Uh, You know, then I can go back and find things when people say, who said this? And then as I was reading it more, this kept happening. I was like, I don't want to spoil this for myself. So I've read up to page 16. Okay. Um, How many pages are in the book? There are uh, 217. Oh, fuck me. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So and that's how entertaining I found the first 60 pages. And we, uh, I hadn't even got to the Sky People yet. That starts on page 50. Oh, goody. So, really, I think the, the title of this podcast is actually quite misleading because what, what I assume we're really going to do is prove without a reasonable doubt that everything in this book is complete fact yeah and the truth and nothing but the truth really if it if it turns out that this book is not a shit book uh we can (laughs) (laughs) Uh, can i guess we have to pay everyone who listens to this yeah fuck i get yeah we've really uh, yeah we've we've put the horse before the cart here (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna start being like yeah this is so stupid and by the end we're gonna be like oh it's all making sense yeah we're gonna be converts yeah. If we get to the end of this, this and we're like, um, yeah, no, this is all definitely true. Uh, we can release a sister podcast called Crikey, What a Shit Podcast, where we review <laughs> this podcast. Each episode as it goes through. It. And we're like, so here's why we were actually wrong here. And we're pieces of shit. Yeah, director's commentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. All right. Well, Boys, shall we, shall we kick this off? Yeah. So it starts. I'm gonna. It starts with this sort of blurb slash dedication, and it's it's so entertaining already. Uh, states William Kern, ancient astronaut theorist. The Sky People by Brinsley Lepore Trunch, who I'm going to reiterate is genuinely a member of English royalty. This, this is what they do. The Earl of in- what? Where? Where now was he? The yeah. Earl of Clancarty. It's such, such a good a name. name though. Such a good name. <laughs> to be fair, all English places just sound like someone fucking made up. Just put I guess. a bunch of silly. I guess all place names are made up. All place names are made up, but like English countryside names are ridiculous. Anyway, The Sky People by Brinsley Lepore Trench is an indictment of religions, priests, lawyers, and politicians, and the strictly, <laughs> <laughs> and the strictly controlled, destructive, antagonistic society these fearful, paranoid lower life forms, brackets Adam 2, have forced upon us all to compensate for their lack of higher mental abilities. What's Most, the bracket? What's the, the bracket mean? So Jesus, the bracket, a lot we'll right get away. into that. Okay. Um, but yeah, 
there are two... I, I don't fully get it yet, I'll be honest. I think those questions are going to be answered when we get to Sky People. But as okay. I understand it, there are two kinds of human being, and there are two kinds of alien. And all four of those are living on Earth as we speak, but I could be wrong. But one of them... I think the human beings are Adam 1 and Adam 2, and the aliens are... I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, so... It's an indictment of everyone in the world and the strictly controlled, destructive, antagonistic society these fearful, paranoid lower life forms, brackets, Adam 2, have forced upon us all to compensate for their lack of higher mental abilities, most notably telepathy, and their complete Bye. dependence upon vocal speech to convey their destructive and deadly ideas. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, hang on. Wow, that's powerful. That's some powerful no. stuff. Hang on. Who, wait, who, who has telepathy? <laughs> lawyers have telepathy? No. No. Um, lawyers... Jesus, Jeff. Religions, priests, I'm... lawyers, and politicians don't have telepathy. Yeah. And they're <laughs> jealous about this, so they... Okay. They are, they're upset that they don't have telepathy. This is the first paragraph, people. Who wouldn't? They don't, they're upset <laughs> that they be? don't have telepathy, so they take it out by being destructive towards everyone else. Adam one, presumably. Okay. It, I, I, it'll it'll all make sense by the end of this we're gonna be converts i'm sure okay um yes. naturally yes of course most notably telepathy and their complete dependence upon vocal speech to convey their destructive and deadly ideas okay i get okay i understand what you mean yeah do you because i'm not sure i do beyond no, that cause they, however, yeah because they, they yeah they can't because they're cause they have to use vocals it's inferior yeah of course they're so upset that they have to use vocals yeah, so they wish they could just get it done quicker, what I guess. What incredible first paragraph. This is the first paragraph. All right. It's, it's really a lot. Second paragraph. Beyond that, however, the Sky People is a comprehensive, well-researched, and educated revelation of our man slash human. There is a hyphen between <laughs> hue and man. <laughs> origins brackets adam one and adam two so i guess that implies to me that adam one is man and adam two is human no i think those are those are references i think it's referring to the book of adam one and the book of adam two <laughs> i in think you're talking sky absolute shit I think that's completely reasonable. I don't think you. It is. I don't think that's the case. But you know what? If it's wrong, uh, I will cut my foot off on live TV. I won't do that. I'll figure out something to do. Subscribe to our Patreon and tell me what to do. We don't have a Patreon. As created by space beings, we mistakenly call gods. So Adam One and Adam Two are man or human, and were created by space beings. We mistakenly call gods. Or is this, right. is this is this a like their take on Adam and Eve, but it's Adam and also Adam. But so. it's boys only. It's boys only <laughs> club. Adam one. No and Adam girls two. allowed. <laughs> All these aliens are huge incels, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> no girls allowed in their creation myths. <laughs> All right, third paragraph. The author makes a convincing case for the presence. Of <laughs> For the presence of two races of space beings. Okay, well, tell them Je it's convincing, and then they'll believe it's convincing. <laughs> and then they'll believe it. Jehovah's, <laughs> Jehovah's and Elohim, the sky people, on Earth for literally millions of years. And although we observe them in their physical forms, but rarely and briefly, they are among us this very moment. The Elohim guiding the galactic man, 
Adam-1, changing him, molding him into a being who will one day rule galaxies of his own. While the Jehovan, Adam-2 human, a holly brute animal okay. being will eventually fade from the galactic record forever. Wait, so there's... I've read this so many times, and now I'm... There's, so there's three... I think there's three because I think human and Adam two is the same thing. Okay. And no. then there's yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. I'm so there's not four things. So we've got we've got Jehovah's and Elohim, right? That's two kinds yeah, of aliens. Jehovah's right. and Elohim. Okay. And we've got Adam one and Adam two. Um, but here it says while the Jehovah Adam two human. So I think Jehovah's are also Adam two. No. So I don't think that. You don't think that. What's your I read think- on that? I think that the, 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 that the Jehovans, um, the Jehovans made made Adam one, and the Elohim made Adam two, or they or they got so they split the responsibilities of making the Adams. Y- yeah, I see. Or or they were just or they're just like rival, um, alien uh, humans, not r- rival fault, people, wrongly called gods, but actually <laughs> big space aliens. This um, is my favorite thing uh, about um, like ancient aliens and this kind of thing is like how they uh try to be super skeptical about everything but also they're like saying yeah but you should read the bible but also like all the like their main sources are religious texts and then they're like yeah there's no such thing as gods but everything that happens in the book did happen the way it says it happened it's just that they were aliens not gods that's the only change you need to make to believe this apparently Uh, we don't believe in magic we believe in sci-fi magic idiots (laughs) yeah um all right so that's the end of the the dedication (laughs) well Um, that was a journey in itself okay so no, I'm now- going to stop asking questions because I'm going to be going to ask questions. Um, then we get to the first sort of pamphlety section, which is Men Are From Mars, Meetings with the Remarkable Brinsley Lepoa Trunch, 8th Earl of Clancarty by Timothy Green Beckley. Uh, I was expecting a second follow there to be Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, but it, it threw me for a loop there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if that was an actual thing they tried to tell me, and I wouldn't even be that surprised. Um, I am one of the few Americans ever so humbly honoured to have been invited to speak on the subject of UFOs before a private member organisation of the House of Lords, the upper what arm of Great Britain's Parliament. So oh the House God. of Lords is a real fucked thing that somehow still exists. In Britain, we have the House of Commons which is okay. what everybody kind of knows as the parliament. Those are the elect- elected officials. And they shout at each other for a while and then come rare, up rare, with rare, 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 rare. Yes, yeah, so they do a lot of rare, 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 rare. Perfect. Um, Thank you. And then laws get taken from the House of Commons and then go to the House... <laughs> then go to the House of Lords, which is people who were born into that role, who are just given the power to pass those laws. But they never do. They never. They never say no. They never say no. But it's still fucked that they are doing it at all. Yeah, um, it's a bit strange. It's a bit crook. Yeah, and apparently, apparently, Timothy Green Beckley talked to a private member group of specifically within the House of Lords, who I guess are alien nuts. But let's read on. While having no official power of authority to take matters into their own hands, the members of the House of Lords UFO group tried for over a decade to pressure Her Majesty's Ministry of Defence to release its top-secret findings on a subject that has fascinated, titillated, 
and provoked a sense of controversy on both sides of the international pond. As a, teen- right. <laughs> As a teenager back in the 1960s, long before the internet existed, of course, I began corresponding with UFO researchers from all over the world, having started publishing a widely read, mimeographed newsletter when I was just 15. We exchanged our interplanetary news service report with similar publications and affiliated organizations all over the world, even inside the Soviet bloc nations where there was said to be great censorship and hostility towards the subject. Oh, wow. They're just haters. To say that, like, the Soviet bloc nations had hostility towards this specific subject is clearly that's not it was you were bringing in foreign contraband into a place where they're trying to you know really set the you know the record for everyone in that nation where they're tightly trying to control information it's not that you were talking about aliens it's that you were talking about anything and getting it into the country you don't know you don't know which way around it is though Oh, you think so? You think maybe the Soviet nations pretended to have a lockdown on like all other information so that this alien exactly. stuff couldn't yes. get out? Yeah, I yeah. see what you're saying. Okay, I think that's um, the, the logical conclusion here. I just think I just think we need to keep an open mind. Yeah. Well, to be fair, so does this person because the next thing they say is, yeah. although it turns out later this was probably overplayed by naive American ufologists. Okay. So maybe this will be the grounded book we all were hoping for. Um, among the liaisons I established with was British bloke Brinsley Lapoa Trench, whose interest in UFO-related matters garnered him the rather atypical job of editor of the world's most prestigious publication on unexplained aerial phenomenon, the Flying Saucer Review. Was the only magazine of its type in the world with an international. I just wonder said why. I, I I don't even believe that. That's not true. Well, that's what this guy. That's the just only... say he published his own. Yeah, there's no way that's the only... Fuck off. Okay, yeah, good so, point. Yeah. Also, like, wow, he's, so, he's, one of the, he's one of those renowned writers of this one very niche type of book that is complete bullshit. Great. I qualified <laughs> for the... House of fucking lords for some yeah. reason. Oh, man. Uh, was the only magazine of its type in the world, with an international readership of several thousand UFO stalwarts. Among its celebrity subscribers was Prince Philip, as well as Lord (laughs) Hill Norton, a five-star admiral of the British fleet. What made the Flying Saucer Review, which is great, I love that. Uh, among I reckon they guys... just forgot to cancel the subscription. <laughs> well, I love it as well. Among the celebrity readership of this guy who made this thing were his friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what made the Flying Saucer Review so provocative was the fact that it did not shy away from publishing a host of challenging essays on the possible paranormal aspects of the UFO mystery, as well as relying heavily on the increasing quantity of encounters with any number of weird-appearing occupants said to steer those ostensibly intergalactic craft. Good use of ostensibly there. As divinity would have it, Trench had been born into the British aristocracy through Dutch nobility. And with the passing of his brother, he became the eighth Earl of Clancarty, a position that comes with the prestigious seat in the House of Lords, whose lineage goes back to the wealthy land barons. They are not the elected officials who hold public office in Great Britain, but those who have a right to govern by virtue of their noble birth. Actually, as this, I hate this bit, makes me mad, genuinely angry. 
Actually, as we know, the lords and ladies of today are mostly penny-strapped and make due like the rest of mortal men these days. <laughs> wow. Suck my fucking oh dick. Oh my god, so... Okay, before that, I was like, this is sounding very like, we are very important, so you should believe what, we, what we're gonna say. These people, oh look, they're very high up, um, high born. Let's try to have so it So clearly ways. we know about... We, we know the truth about aliens. You should believe this. Yeah. Is what that let was feeling play, like to me. Let me play a tiny violin for the penny-strapped House of Lords and Great Britain. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Penny-strapped's good, though. I like Back that. Back in word. my day, the House of Lords <laughs> yeah, used to be actually uh, noble and high-born and didn't, weren't penny-strapped. I don't know if they were say. ever noble. Yet being the Earl of Anywhere does come with a few perks, mainly that the person is usually taken a bit more seriously. Luckily for Brinsley, because he had some pretty outlandish ideas he was trying to get across. For you see, Brinsley Le Poetrench has to be placed in the ancient astronaut hall of fame as one of the originators of the theory that visitors from the stars or elsewhere have been popping up in fuck have been popping in from time immemorial to keep a watchful eye on humanity either because they are just blatantly curious or because as some theorize they actually created us and we are the lab experiments of this group of cosmic voyagers there are various offshoots of this hypothesis but it's the basic theory that we have never been alone so we're going to see some evidence yes. for this, I presume. I presume we're going to it's see also, some compelling evidence for this. It's not the basic theory that we've never been alone. It is a lot more complicated than the basic theory yeah, that we've never been alone. It assumes a lot more things. Uh, we are not alone, but also we were created by the yeah. people that we're not alone with, for sure. Uh, things that annoy me about this sort of thing is that, like, there is a world where I could be open to the things they have to say. Because, you know, there are things that I can't explain. And alien sure. life probably exists, statistically. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. And then they pepper in things that could be worth talking about with just completely insane shit. So it all looks ridiculous. Ancient astronauts pop star Eric Von Daniken popularized this concept to their messages. Yeah, I know, right? Um, you may recognize Eric Von Daniken. He shows up a lot in ancient... Uh, aliens is the man with a very heavy German accent. Oh, I love him. He's great. He's the best. He's part. really good. Um, I don't know if he's the best one. He popularized the concept for the masses. Uh, but Brinsley preceded von Daniken by a number of years with the notion that ancient aliens were still lurking about the planet. Brinsley went a step or two further, in fact, by coming up with the hypothesis that the human race itself, in one form or another, actually came to Earth from elsewhere in space and that this is not our original habitat. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, if it Wait, made any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just throws a fork in, like, all of yeah. the evolutionary evidence we have and how similar yeah. they are to terrestrial mammals. It, it, Though I guess all those terrestrial mammals could have come from space as well, but that seems less likely. I mean, it... Not by much, because this doesn't seem likely at all. But it still seems less likely than if humans did. <laughs> but okay, but how far back? How far back were we taken? Where it was where, like was were dinosaurs here, and then and then we were put here. Or were dinosaurs also taken? And then dropped. Uh, 
Oh, so maybe the meteorite is what brought us. It killed the it's dinosaurs. Oh my yeah. god, it's all true. We figured it out. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Wow, well, I thought it this does. would take way more episodes to convince me, but here I am right now, a believer. That does make sense, and I can tell you that is not their theory. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Never mind, I'm off again. Fuck this. Because after, after this, Men are from Mars, we're going to start with Alien Secrets on the Mountain which uh, is all about Noah's Ark. And we'll get to more on that in a second. Okay. Oh, wonderful. The Sky People by Brinsley Lapoa Trench was originally published in the UK in the 1960s and went through several printings. It was even issued in the United States in hardback by my late friend Ray Palmer, who headed up Amherst Press and was one of the original publishers of Fate magazine, still being put out today by Phyllis Glade. Gald. Gald. That's Brinsley. a no. That's a made-up word. I know, and it's weird to me that her name is Phyllis Glade Glade Gald. Um, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, <laughs> now that you Brinsley, the eighth Earl of Clancarty, had quite a career as a writer and author, though he has virtually been forgotten amongst the dozens of ancient astronaut theorists who populate the press and the television airways these days. Oh, Most fascinating. I know we we don't hear much about him on Ancient Aliens. Um, most fascinating is the fact that while the Earth Earl came before the many others, his conclusions and ideas were fresh and perhaps a bit more far out than those of his soon-to-be contemporaries. What? What do you wait? What? What do you mean? I know, terribly worded, right? Like, just what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? How can He's they... saying what they were saying in um, like forty words. There was he was ahead of his time. Right. Sure. What did Trench believe? in a nutshell, about the ancient astronauts he called the Sky People. According to Trench, in his book The Sky People, Adam and Eve, Noah and many of the other characters from the Bible, originally okay. lived on Mars. Trench okay. believed that Adam and Eve were the experimental creations of extraterrestrials. His okay. claim was that the biblical description of the Garden of Eden was inconsistent with what was on Earth, and as Mars contained canals... <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> that's the on Earth. What? Impossible. <laughs> Improbable. Haven't you Forest seen the glorious Mars. canals of Mars? The Mars? They're so romantic. Wait, so there weren't enough canals on Earth? Are there canals in the Garden of Eden? I don't know, but apparently there's more fitting canals as, you know, referenced by the Garden Aren't of Eden. Aren't there trees in the Garden of Eden? Mars. Mars is famous for its um, apples. Uh, yeah, but, and snakes. There were snakes there. Yeah. And there were there were there were other other things. See, so Jack, they moved. There was at least one tree. Over to Earth. They just they kind of just little. Uh, they got like a moving van. Uh, space so it, it is all of the all animals. Over. It's not just it's not just people that they made on Mars. Sure, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's all all life we experience on this planet was originally on Mars, and then it got moved over to Earth for no reason. Just all of it. Well, because is everything well, on like, Earth then Adam one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? No, 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 <laughs> no Adam one is, is man. I, I want to know so what the distinction between man and Hugh Dash Man is. We'll, <laughs> I assume we'll get to that. Maybe. It's like, Strong maybe. I haven't the, in my preliminary reading of this, but I, I imagine it's in the final section, the sky people. Mars is like Jurassic Park 2. 
loop where in, what? in, in Jurassic Park 2, <laughs> they reveal that yeah. a, a bunch of the dinosaurs were, were, weren't were grown on Isla Nublar and they had a second island where they grew and raised all the dinosaurs and then they'd bring them to Isla Nublar when they were ready. I really hope that's one of the twists in Jurassic World Dominion is that Earth is the secondary <laughs> stage. Um, yeah. According to Trench, uh, blah, 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 Mars. Um, Adam and Eve were experimental creations of extraterrestrials. His claims that biblical descriptions of the Garden of Eden was inconsistent with what was on Earth. Fine. No and reason. as Mars contained canals, that the Garden of Eden must have been located on the red planet, or perhaps inside of it. He further claimed... He further claimed that the North Polar ice cap melted on Mars, and this caused the descendants of Adam and Eve to move to Earth. All right, there we go. The vehicle they arrived in would have been, without a doubt in Brinsley's mind, Noah's Ark. That's not... That, no. You didn't even read the Bible, (laughs) did you? Any of those at all. Making the great Noah a Martian. I, I recommend some doubt there. Just a, I mean, a bit, everyone please. in the fucking Bible a Martian. What do you mean? Make, yeah. like Noah. Why Noah specifically? Yeah. God, that's so weird. Obviously an opinion that takes some getting used to, and which will have fundamentalists <laughs> lining up to burn this edition of Brinsley's thesis. Like, <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Not because like, God. he's wrong. It's what he's saying is too real for people. It's too real. Like they would have <laughs> most definitely silenced. have done. People can't handle <laughs> being confronted with with these truths. So it's Noah. So I guess because they say that hu- like human beings were made by aliens. So I guess Noah. I guess those aliens were Martians. Oh well, no, weren't they the Jehovans and the and the? Yeah, and maybe they Hello. come from Mars. <laughs> I guess both of them. That's I don't know to me. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> That's stretching it a bit thin now. <laughs> Two intelligent races. Likely the fundamentalists would have lined up to burn this edition of Brizzly's thesis like they would have God, most definitely off. done with the original Sky People book if they had known it existed. Personally, <laughs> okay. I don't think the good Earl would object to our tacking on some very pertinent new material, which expands upon his general theme Wait. as well as enhances his contribution to the entire ancient astronaut realm. Hang on, he's saying he's saying that that fundamental that uh, that sky people fundamentalists are going to burn this book. No. I think they mean religious fundamentalists. Okay, that's what I thought. But then he said. But I think you know we've made some really good additions to to the Earl, to the Earl's good work. No, 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 I just think I just they think they think um, the Earl wouldn't mind if they you know just add these four. But other I, books why on the top. fuck why the fuck would the religious fundamentalists care about <laughs> the Earl's opinion on this new Sky People book? I think these are de- different parts. It's it seems not it was in like the same sentence. <laughs> I know from personal experience that he was a sharing and caring individual. Okay. He shared his papers with others and even had a branch of his organization that catered to teenagers called the International Sky Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I want to know if that's still going. Yeah, let's have a look. Let's Google it. I'm, I'll Fact- have a look. <laughs> I'll make a fact check jingle and we'll just drop it in. 
International Sky Scouts. Apparently it had thousands of members, so... International Committee of Sky Scouts. UIA Yearbook. You can get the yearbook. Yeah, Are they still search, kicking I about? Search through, I can search through their open yearbook. Wow. Does I it say how many members there are now? Oh, fuck. Uh, I'm confused by this website. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't um, sound like the kind of organization that would have a an accessible, easy-to-understand website. This isn't even their website. This is a... I'm on, like, a a, a, a library of, 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 of open yearbooks. What kind of... Oh, what fuck. the fuck? Scouts in the Sky Facebook. I can't page. find an... I can't find I a can't current... Find this. Yeah, I don't think they still exist. That's so disappointing. That is a shame. I would have, like, signed up for a newsletter or something. Never. Uh, with thousands of members, but centered mainly, it seems, in Japan, where the organization what? was headquartered for quite a while. Yeah, the 8th Earl of Clancarty started the International Sky Scouts in Japan. In Japan. This was a weird offshore accounts thing. Like, that was... <laughs> that was his excuse. Maybe I can't find it because I'm not searching for it in Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna translate that and get back. <laughs> okay, I'll leave you to that. It was unfortunate that I only got to meet Brinsley once, but I did spend two full days with him as he introduced me to members of Parliament and hosted a dinner for me at his flat in London. His library, very extensive... Again, earlier this thought like, oh, these lords are penniless. His library, very extensive, was housed on the fourth floor of the brownstone he occupied while carrying out his duties as a member of the House of Lords. So yeah, he sounds like he had a real fucking hard life. Recently, the MOD released over a period of time thousands of files on Britain's UFO encounters. I can't help but believe that Brinsley was partly responsible for this new sharing of information with the public, or it could be that by UK law everything becomes declassified after an amount of time, but whatever. It started with his research into the legacy of the Sky People, and his later pressuring of the government to come clean about UFOs. We need more like the 8th Earl of Clancarty in power today. We sure do. Okay, um, so I have, I have looked it up in Japanese. And what I've realized is that when you look something up in Japanese, all the websites you get are in Japanese. So <laughs> I can't read a word of what I'm looking at right now. But I'm going to assume that this is confirmation that the Sky Scouts are still about. I think I'm going to choose to believe that they are. Do we all agree? We're just going to believe that the Sky Scouts are out definitely. there. Without, without a shadow of a doubt. They live on in our hearts. It is funny that they're called the International Sky yeah. Scouts. <laughs> very hard to access in internationally at this point um, unfortunately such men and women are difficult to find in service to their country on and off the UFO playing field <laughs> Okay. and after that he's left his own email address and a website link to www.conspiracyjournal.com so that's the right. end of uh, Men Are From Mars meetings with the remarkable Brinsley Lepoa Trench 8th Earl of Clancarty by Timothy Green Beckley after I, that. I'm a bit disappointed at how little they delved into the into the, the Martian theory there. Yeah. I have to say, it was mostly about... I feel like that was mostly about the 8th Earl of Clamcarty, or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, which is what people want to see, right? The men are from Mars, this guy. <laughs> 
Um, after that, we get a much longer thing, which I never finished, uh, but I think it's called Alien Secrets on the Mountain by Nick Redfern. And this is more about Noah's Ark. And it comes with Good. some pictures. I've taken a picture of one I will send to you at the appropriate time so you can react in real time. Oh, um, yeah. It's... This is where things start to get good. This is where I start, you know, highlighting every fucking word that I can see. All right, okay. So, yeah. Ancient Secrets on the Mountain by Nick Redfern. Folklore, floods, and a man named Noah. Or should we say a Martian named Noah is what it should say. (laughs) I am hooked. (laughs) If one takes a look at the book of Genesis, as contained in the Holy Bible, one is confronted with the following memorable words. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all for all flesh had corrupted <laughs> had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. It was not quite everyone who was going to be exterminated by God's powerful wrath, however. According to the old book, God had selected one man and his family, not only to survive the disaster that he had in mind, but also to help kickstart life again. Once the cataclysmic event had finally subsided, that man was Noah, revealed in the pages of the Bible as a grandson of Methuselah, supposedly the oldest person to have ever lived. Methuselah? Methuselah. Is that in the Bible or did he make that up? Because that's a (laughs) sick name and I feel like I would have heard of it. I have to assume it's in the Bible. Yeah, it sounds like. Wasn't it says Methuselah was the oldest person to have ever lived? Does that mean that they have got they lived to an older age than anyone managed to get to, or that they were the oldest person? Because Mm. Adam and Eve. Well, they died at the age of nine hundred and sixty-nine. So. Oh fuck me! So I guess the the former. Okay. Christ, that's old. God, we are told, made his stark and stern orders very clear to Noah. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. I I haven't I don't remember Noah's Ark story from the Bible, but it is really funny to me how much God micromanages the, the yeah. Yeah. His specifications really matter to him. And what the fuck is it? You a shall cubit? only use holy cubits. Cause we're always told like you know, we're like, oh, God is mysterious the way he teaches you. And you kind of have to feel it. And with him, he's like, I want it to be exactly this. The exact diameter is 2.5 meters. It needs um, to be three stories. <laughs> no more, no less. Oh, my God. Incredible. Uh, I, I, I prefer if you used Italian maple. Um, the arc, please. Uh, Can you imagine? More. Go to Italy, get Italian <laughs> maple, <laughs> make me a sick boat. Italian maple, please. It's, it's the only thing lions will sleep on. <laughs> As for why God specifically chose Noah to build such an immense vessel, that becomes clear when we study the next words attributed to the Christian deity. 
I said that weird, deity. And behold I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. That's the end of the quote. That doesn't explain why it was Noah. Um, Yeah. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Fortunately for Noah, he and his family were destined and determined by God to survive the looming planet-wide disaster that was to decimate the population and even re-sculpt the very landscape of the Earth itself. God thundered at Noah. But with thee will I... Oh, we'll just put this before then. (laughs) Tell me the next quote and then just read a different quote morons anyway but with thee i will (laughs) i establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons wives with thee and of every living thing of all flesh two of every sort shall thou bring unto the ark to keep them alive with thee they shall be male and female of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee, to keep them alive, and take thou into thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt shalt gather it to thee. Do you have to put every insect onto the ark? Yes. That's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) No one should have to do that. As well, like, they gave a very specific, like, normally Bible stories are vague to the point where it could be like, oh, there's no boat big enough where you could put every kind of insect on. Um, And then they just go, oh, but you don't understand how big this boat was, man. Like, it was a boat that God had built, you know. Um, But no, they specifically told us how big. Um, Yeah, we should measure that out. (laughs) Someone's definitely done that. Did you did you know oh, what a, we should do it? Did you find out what a, what a cubit was earlier? I didn't, Toby. I didn't. Uh, no, I didn't find out. I, or did you just Toby make a joke where you made a random guess? Okay. I, Let's I, look it wait, up. I just referred to it as a holy computing. cubit. Excuse How you. Is a cubit. A cubit is um, a unit of linear. The method distance used between by thumb many and outstretched things. finger to the el- to the elbow. Generally so taken, half an arm. Generally this boat was inches. fucking tiny. Yeah. This... No, how many cubits? How many cubits? It was okay. Hang on. Okay, so it was. What a was... shit fucking measure! Oh my god, that's so terrible. <laughs> well, they were. They didn't. They didn't really different. have like standardized measurements back then. Oh fucking whatever. The length of the arc shall be three hundred cubits. The breadth of it fifty cubits. It's very narrow. This. Um, and tiny. The, and that the height of it thirty cubits. This is the tiniest fucking. Also, is that even high enough to make three stories? I think we've made bigger boats than that. Uh, we have Definitely. made. Oh, we absolutely uh, have. Sorry, we have. Yeah. Like, and none of those boats could fit two of every known kind of insect. I don't think the Titanic can fit every. Animal. I don't. I. I. Now I'm not an expert, but I. Now I think we've got to the point where we're not even bashing this book. We're, yeah, we're just, just bashing the Bible now. <laughs> oh, we should do the Bible next. Yeah, people are gonna yeah. not realize what we meant. <laughs> Season two of Crikey, what a yeah. book. The Bible. The Holy was, Bible. There's a lot of good content in the Bible. <laughs> Oh, God, okay. It's it's starting to get good. good. 
It's starting to not just be reiterating the Bible. Now we're going to get into some science. Okay, good. Okay, okay, good. Um, ah, yeah. I love but science. first, I have to. First, I need to finish this fucking quote. Jesus Christ! Whoever wrote the Bible, they <laughs> did not. They you needed to, to work on their prose. No, I've got to do it. If you don't want to, Carlisle, I've got. I've got to do it, Jack. This Bible quote: of this fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Wonderful. As a result. The now legendary saga of the Ark of Noah that saw the man of the moment and his family surviving the almighty deluge within the giant the ark man for of a the period. Moment. <laughs> for a hey, period. Noah, you're the man of the moment, yo! Noah, this is your spotlight moment. This is uh, your moment, for a, King. For a period of 40 <laughs> turbulent days and nights was born. It was also a saga that saw the massive boat in question come to a final resting place very high on the precarious iron snow-covered slopes of Mount Ararat, Turkey. Is Ararat that... not like a mining town in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> so there is this bit I always I thought was hilarious because I didn't they don't explain in this that th that's in the Bible. It says in the Bible that the boat washes up on Ararat. But, you know, nothing was the same. And there are a lot of things that, you know, things have been translated weird. And there is a Mount Ararat in the real world in Turkey. They put Turkey on the, on this. It does not say in the Bible that it, it, it cropped up on Mount Ararat in what will one day be known as Turkey. I mean, right? I have just looked it up and there is an Ararat in southwest Victoria, Australia. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's where the Noah, Noah's Ark is. Yeah, because yeah, I remember I found it. Um, I was looking at the Wikipedia page for Mount Ararat, um, and yeah, they said like people who biblical studies believe that they know exactly where they mean when it says Ararat in the Bible. It doesn't even say Mount Ararat in the Bible. It just says Ararat. It just says Ararat. So um, it could have yeah. been the. <laughs> it really could have been Australia. <laughs> That's we my headcanon now. That it's just it's in Australia. Um, just no one's looked. But it was not just Noah and co. who survived. There were also those many animals, too, that God had wisely ordered Noah to take on board. So uh, Thus, the Did process of... take the fish? Uh, I imagine not. Did they put the fish on the ark? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Because the point is to destroy all flesh. He says destroy all flesh, but all your, yeah. all your fish, all your ducks, all your geese... They're fine. All your sharks are all right. Your whales are okay. Yeah, they're, they're outnumbered so significantly by Yeah, all you've done is you've only really now. called the land population. Like, they're fucked. They're just, like, all of the, the regular amount of sharks and now less of everything else. Like, yeah. That seems <laughs> unfair. Yeah. That's I mean, if this was true, the, the dominant species today would be, like, an, an intelligent Octopus. shark. Yeah. Dolphins just grow legs. Get out yeah, of here. Yeah, dolphins grow legs and fuck about. Like that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Have you seen that? It's like a treehouse of horror where, where dolphins take over. It's great. I haven't seen um, There were also those many animals, too, that God had wisely ordered Noah to take on board. Thus, the process of starting over could now begin in earnest. Of course, as history has shown, a great deal of controversy exists, even within Christian circles, regarding the true nature of the old legend. 
And even if Mount Ararat was the correct location when it comes to trying to define the final resting place of Noah's Ark. It's in, it's in Victoria. <laughs> now, I'm going to send you guys a picture. Okay, good. Wonderful. Because um, on the page that I'm looking at before me is a picture with the caption... Photograph shows the object protruding from the ice and snow that many believe is the remains of the Ark of the Biblical Flood epic from the collection of Nick Redfern. We're going to have to describe this photo quite well. Yeah, I want you guys to describe the photo. Okay, cool. And good fucking luck. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I really don't know what to expect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. (laughs) Photograph shows the object protruding from the ice and snow. Okay. Uh, that yeah. looks like absolutely nothing. It uh, looks it like a bunch of squiggles. <laughs> you can kind of make out a face, actually. <laughs> if you it is really a black and white image with no details. I cannot see a single thing protruding out of it anywhere looks that like I'm supposed to believe. A face, though. Okay, if I was to describe it, it looks like maybe the most overexposed photo of a mountain ever. It's just so fucking useless. And they put this in! They they could see this, and then they put it into this book. I could literally say I see anything on this, and you wouldn't yeah, this be able is, to... This is like it. an ink blot. You just see what your <laughs> mind thinks you're seeing. It's a Rorschach. Yeah. Christ. Further floods. Further folklore. That there almost certainly were massive deluge-style floods in long time gone seems a matter oh, yeah. of little doubt. Fucking... Yeah, well... That there were ever floods? Sure. Fuck you, that Jesus. There were, that there were ever floods that could wipe out all land life ever? No, I don't believe so. I I don't think I don't think that's a matter of little I, doubt. I, I think you've just is, said that. Yeah. The, maybe a little bit more doubt again. Well, maybe a li- just a little bit more. Okay. Please. Well, now, let's return to the dinosaurs, though. Okay. Where, because if, um... Like I imagine, if that if that meteorite asteroid had hit an ocean, you know, that could have knocked knocked a couple blocks off. Do you know? That I, you know, tidal waves can be pretty big. They sure can. Um, and that event did kill a large amount of land life, but and not for that reason. Well, we can't we can't be certain. Of that, I guess though, I can't can be certain. The consensus is pretty good on that. Anyway, no. there's there's a lot that this book does. This is one of those things it does. It just says something, and then it expects you to just go with that. And then they go, and now let's talk about the possibilities that stem from that absolute truth. And it will become <laughs> obvious um, that for the rest of this book, one of those absolute truths that we're going to discuss the possibilities around is that this object that is embedded in Mount Ararat is definitely Noah's Ark, the spaceship. Okay. So we just um, have to accept that as a truth right now, or we can't. Yeah, basically. Um, maybe not right now, but it'll get to a point where everything after the bat after that just is off going off of that. Um, uh, that there were these floods is a matter of little doubt. Indeed, one can take even the most cursory examinations of the fables, legends, and stories of numerous countries worldwide, and find that they too all told of gigantic nation-destroying floods and warnings from God or a near army of gods to prepare for the very worst scenarios possible. I see. So it must be, yeah. Must be true. Is it, 
<laughs> it's so weird that these people always assert that the legends and fables are all exactly the case, except it wasn't gods. Well, how, how Every- do you explain them existing in the first place then, Carlo? <laughs> How do you explain Harry Potter existing? Someone fucking made it up. <laughs> oh, what a crock of shit. Counterpoint. Uh, all right. In fact, such legends can be found in the cultures of Native American Indians and the Aborigines of Australia, as well as the people of Argentina, Scandinavia, the British Isles, China, Greece, Korea, Peru, and Bolivia. And that many of these stories are eerily and chillingly similar in nature, that there was a flood, strongly suggests a common point of origin, or thread, running through each and every one of them. Floods happen in a lot of places. Yeah, I reckon floods are pretty commonplace. It, It seems pretty logical to me that someone went... Oh, but what if there was a legend where there was a big flood? And then they told that story. I reckon most people know what a flood is. (laughs) If you were to ask anyone on the planet... I'm going to need a source. There's at least a 60% chance they know what a flood is. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, so they're all talking about the same thing. For those who think the story of Noah's Ark amounts to the first and last word on such matters, it's time to think again. (gasps) Hindu culture speaks of the mighty Manu, the premier Brahmin ruler of our world, and one that rescued our species from total obliteration in the very earliest years of human evolution. But according to Hindu texts... Yeah, thank you, uh, Manu. That's quite nice. But according to the Hindu texts, the ship that Manu built did not come to rest on Turkey's famous Mount Ararat. Again, I, I was not aware of this mountain before this book. I don't know if you can call it famous. I, were you guys? I was aware of the mount- Victorian town in Australia before <laughs> I was aware you? of this mountain. Why were you? You really jumped on that. <laughs> yeah, I never, I, I never questioned. Is that. that just a pet project of yours to look up? I don't. I don't know why I know <laughs> that. I don't know why I know a lot of things, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah. Its last port of call was none other than the Malaya Mountains, which aren't even in Turkey. <laughs> it says that okay. in the book. Wow. <laughs> Rather, they, today known as the Western Ghats, are situated in Western India. Then there is the Sumerian epic of Gilgamesh, which is most dip, dip, which is most deeply detailed on twelve impressive tablets from the equally impressive library of an Assyrian ruler named, okay, Ashurbanipal, Ashurbanipal, um, Ashurbanipal, who was a major force to be reckoned with in the seventh century BC. Okay, so they they're literally putting down that. Listen, there's a bunch of rocks with very loose things that could be interpreted in a million different ways. Um, so, you know, we're just going to say so that's, another, gonna... that's another point. Yeah, we're going to establish one of these as fact. Uh, one of these many billions of ways we could interpret this. One of these is fact. The one we're saying that's convenient. Dude, I'm a Gilgamesh war. also highlights a story of a huge devastating flood. And although the tablets date from roughly 650 BC, the tale they tell, scholars suggest, is likely much older. In fact, way, way older. Thank you for suggesting okay. that, scholars. <laughs> Fuck me. 
it must in be fact, st- way way old. <laughs> Jesus yeah, the, the set the second way is italicized as well, so it's it's way comma Good. way older. Is there um, should be a third one that's bold and italicized, <laughs> and then on the really nail that. it home. Yeah, yeah back uh, down too quickly. It must be stressed, however, that despite the clear and undeniable differences in terms of deities, locations, cultures, and religions, all of the stories have remarkable parallels and similarities. Again, that there is a flood. An extremely common event. Gilgamesh introduces us to Utnapishtim. Utnapishtim who creates a gigantic ark inside which he and his wife and family, along with countless examples of animal life, survive the water-based destruction. Yeah, I mean... That is... What? Yeah, that's what you do, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's not that... It's not that notable. That is There's unfolding. not many ways to broach that problem. <laughs> yeah, like, if, if, if it just keeps raining and you've got a boat, might just be like, I'm gonna go camp on the boat for a while. This is this is getting fucked. Um, as for the Native American legends, they reveal how, when the actions of the human population of the Earth were deeply frowned upon by one Gitchi Man- Manitou, a creator character in Native American lore, the response was death on a massive scale, all thanks to a massive worldwide deluge courtesy of Gitchi Manitou. Oh, in other is, words, um, this oh, this <laughs> this kind of a um, uh, a tangent, but something else that that bothers me about the Noah's Ark myth is uh, the fact that no one else thought to have a boat in <laughs> yeah. the world. Especially, it wasn't like a well fortified boat. It wasn't yeah. like a. It was it was just big, and it, as we've clarified, I mean maybe for the time it was big, but it was still. It doesn't even feel like it was that big, even for the time. Like, yeah. people fought wars and stuff. It, I find it hard to believe that no one else just, you know... Do you know what we're forgetting, though? What are we forgetting, Jack? What? What are we we're forgetting? forgetting that this isn't a boat. This is a spacecraft. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and how many was... how many people do you know with a spacecraft? Uh, <laughs> it has to be less well, than 10. if this book is correct, potentially many. Potentially a That's good true. deal of people. For all I know, you own one, Jack, and you're an alien. Any of us here That's could be an alien. That's so true. Holy shit, I didn't even Jack, are you a fucking you Adam too? You have to tell us. <laughs> it's it's like policemen. You have to tell us. If if Adam two is the one that is bad, I think Adam one is the one that is bad. Sure. Maybe, maybe we're maybe they're all the same. They, you know, maybe maybe the, the, the difference is arbitrary. Maybe they don't exist. In other words. <laughs> While we do, of course, have to be careful when it comes to taking any of these stories, legends, and tales literally, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm so glad that they clarified that, because, you know, they're about to, um, <laughs> they all suggest inherited knowledge and significant data. 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 Uh, they all suggest inherited knowledge and significant data on the part of the ancients on several important matters. Uh, now there's three bullet points, and I'm just going to hold that up to the camera so you can see that the bullet points are actually stars. That's Ooh. fun. Um, Ooh, that's nice. Star one. That a cataclysmic disaster of a flood nature was bearing down on the human populace at some point in the fog-shrouded past. They I deliberately like that little used- bit of color. There. That was nice. But it's like, it's deliberately putting in language to be like, we don't actually know. 
which is which well, is they're making it, it, they're making it colorful so you know, they are like, making oh, it no. colorful and i'm yeah. not gonna say i don't appreciate that yeah uh star two wow. that supreme deities all over the world chose to warn specific people of how they might survive the looming disaster i thought i thought this was a spacecraft i thought that no one took well, they're saying that these are the three. These are the three common things all these legends have. Okay, sorry. I thought. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for interrupting. That's all right, man. I won't do that. Shut the fuck uh, up! Oh my god. <laughs> Star three. That the world was to be rebooted by those lucky few who had been selected to be spared death by drowning as the waters of the earth rose to near unimaginable levels. Those <laughs> selected few who were told how to make a boat. <laughs> Why did they write near unimaginable? Almost <laughs> unimaginable. <laughs> you, you can't like, imagine it if you try really hard. It's like it's like HP Lovecraft, but even more underwhelming because it's like <laughs> it's so scary that I could imagine it, but I don't want to. <laughs> that, oh my god, that you is would... actually that's hard. That's harder to imagine than something that's unimaginable. <laughs> Something that's on the cusp. Yeah, because it's because I need. I don't. I, need, I don't know what the limits of my imagination exactly. for how tall need, water can get. You need is. a very yeah. vivid imagination to imagine this. <laughs> but I need to know what I couldn't imagine to like. It, that's that's an impossible metric to base that on. <laughs> well, I just think your imagination's not vivid enough then. I didn't yeah, even well, notice that you. the first time I read this. I didn't highlight that. That's so funny. Science tackles the deluge. Those were the the, the, the eight words on that page that you didn't highlight. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, we do not have to simply rely on old legends and tales that, in all probability, have been massively distorted via time and repeated translation from language to language. Totally. Science has helped us to have an understanding of those long-gone turbulent flood-filled eras. Thank you, oh, okay. science! And this was back in 1997, wow. so we all, you know, we all remember hearing the news of, um, you know, finding out that they proved Noah's Ark <laughs> floods happened. Um, a professor emeritus and a geophysicist based at Columbia University named Walter what? Clarkson Pittman the Third. That sounded like a setup for Whoa. a walk into a I bar. know. Say that again. Walter Clarkson Pittman the Third. Pitman. Is that Pit with Man. one T or two T's? One T. Cool. Walter Clarkson Pittman III, along with William Ryan, a geologist, theorized that the saga of the flood, as specifically described in the pages of the Bible, was actually an account of a very real and very large flooding of the Black Sea, maybe as much as 7,500 years ago. That the sea in question borders Turkey, which just happens to be home to Mount Ararat, makes matters all the more intriguing. Oh. Moving on, we have the discoveries of a man named Bruce Mass, an environment archaeologist operating out of the New Mexico-based Los Alamos Nigantnuk. Los Alamos Nigantnuk. <laughs> what? An environmental archaeologist operating out of the New Mexico-based Los Alamos National Laboratory. Mass suggested that, at a point around 7,000 years ago, a gigantic comet possibly slammed onto our world, with this terrible force into the waters of Madagascar, resulting in a truly gigantic tidal waves, a massive number of fatalities, 
and as an inevitable result, the birth of never-forgotten flood legends that were ascribed to the work of a god or gods rather That's than what happens in the movie Dinosaur. Do they ascribe the it Disney to a god? Movie Di- no, it happens in dinosaur times, so it just kills all the lemurs. <laughs> what? Yeah, in the Disney movie Dinosaur, yeah, there there, are there's lemurs. a dinosaur, and he's living with, uh, he's living with uh, a family of lemurs. And then a, a meteorite hits Madagascar and just kills all of the lemurs except the five that he's close to. Uh, oh! Sure. Good. Good. All right. Yeah. Follow up for our sister podcast, Crikey What a Shit Movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> join the Crikey Network today. There is, however, one matter that stands out with regards to the saga of Noah's Ark that is very different from the tales of Gilgamesh, the Native Americans, the Europeans, or the South Americans. The difference is as intriguing as it is mysterious. For decades, elements of the US government, Air Force, Pentagon, and CIA have taken a deep secret and clandestine interest in what may very well have come to rest high on Mount Ararat. As Mm -hmm. for why, well, the answers push us far away from tales of large old wooden ark and far closer to the tales of a crashed ark from another world. Okay. That's their take. shit. Yeah, I'm convinced. We'll we'll do this last section. Noah's Ark. 1949. The government first takes note. It was early one particular morning in mid-June of 1949 when a USAF spy plane took to the air from its home base in mainland Europe. The crew was on a secret mission to photograph what intelligence-gathering assets had suggested was a new military installation being constructed by the Soviets near the Turkish border. So, (laughs) with the mission underway, the captain quickly bound the plane for Turkey and the troublesome Reds. As it transpired, and as luck would have it, to get to the specific area where the Soviets were reportedly hard at work and flexing their military muscles, and also to avoid detection by the Russians, the crew had to fly very close to the 1700... Fuck. 17,000 foot... (laughs) 1700 fuck. Of course. Close to the 17,000 foot peak of Mount Ararat. Actually... 1700. Fuck off. Extremely close. your fucking mind. It was a very different Carlisle. I'm going to drink every time I flub something, which is is happening so much more often than I thought was going to happen. That's what happens when you read for long periods of time. Which I've never done before. Uh, None of the crew, surely, had any inkling of what they would find as they closed in on that mighty, imposing mountain. They were very soon to find out, however. There is another picture of a mountain here, but it's just, it's just, it's a picture of a mountain. Um, uh, is there a face on it? There's not that I can tell, but I also can't tell one of the other ones, so maybe there is. Yeah, fucking blind. It was, <laughs> it was when the crew approached Mount Ararat at a height of about 3,000 feet short of its peak that one of the men on board the plane cried out that he could see something deeply strange protruding out of the thick sheets of ice and snow. It looked, said the amazed man, like an aircraft wing, but one that, rather astonishingly, was about 500 to 600 feet in length. Hardly the sort of thing you would expect to see anywhere, never mind at the top of Mount Ararat. Yet there it was. I have no concept for how big that is. (laughs) I don't understand feet. What would it help if I gave it to you in cubits? It would actually. That'd be a great help. <laughs> I had, I had, it's a cubit is like one point five feet, so it's uh. Uh, dude, uh, 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 uh 
It's about 333 cubits. That's quite that, big. It's quite big. Whoa! That's a huge ring, Holy right? Holy dooly! <laughs> um, wasting no time, the crew contacted base, explained what they had stumbled upon, and asked permission to briefly break off from the planned mission and photograph the strange device. Not surprisingly, permission was immediately given to do exactly that. But that was scarcely the start of things. As the chief progressed, as the chief drink. <laughs> Is that a good idea? Jesus as the sweet. chief photographer, yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling curse, you know. <laughs> as the chief photographer on board quickly snapped off a reel of film from the other side of the plane, a shout came from another of the crew. He could see a near-identical wing, and of near-identical size, sticking out the ice from another part of the mountain. If these really were wings, then their overall combined width would have been somewhere in the order of 1,000 to 12,000 feet. Let me just get you the measurements. Give me those cubits, please. So at least 666 cubits. Oh my god. Crikey. Crikey. (laughs) Crikey indeed. Crikey. What a big aircraft. (laughs) The... Hang on, but so- the, 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 maybe the worst spin-off podcast yet. <laughs> Just us looking at pictures Marling. of planes going, boy, that sure is big. Yeah, but it's a podcast, like, so no, no, no one gets to see the yeah. pictures of the planes. no concept of what they're talking about. They're just looking at pictures the whole time. Just 45 minutes of... Fuck me, that one's pretty big. It scarcely needs to be said that no one is flying aircraft of such size even today, never mind as far back as 1949. Or at least, no one from around here is flying any such incredibly huge aircraft. So after taking Ooh. shots of Ooh, the first I get what they mean by that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just clicked on that. At all. You'll get it, you'll get it eventually. Okay. <laughs> I really want to, oh, cool. like, on the last episode... It's like, what are you guys talking about? What is the, what is the implication here? So after taking shots of the first anomaly, the crew then maneuvered the aircraft <laughs> to secure photos. They took shots of that guy. <laughs> They're like, yo, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch this big, big aircraft and we'll take some shots. I don't know the crew then what maneuvered. that drinking game would entail, but... Just every time you see a plane. That's the that's what crikey what a big plane is. It's us <laughs> drinking every time we see a plane. We just every like time load we're footage. impressed by the size of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Which people can't see, so we just have to go <laughs> we just have to go drink and then people drink. Um God, where the fuck are we? We could we could lie. We really Oh god. It's too much power for us. I don't think we should make Again, that podcast. Please subscribe to the uh, the crikey the crikey network and get on all the crikey podcasts. The crew <laughs> then maneuvered the aircraft to secure photos of the other whatever it was. It says that it was then <laughs> it was then on the original mission, followed by a flight back to base. At which point, the priceless and mysterious photos taken over Mount Ararat were forwarded to the Pentagon for analysis. No one should be surprised to know that they vanished into decades-long oblivion. Isn't that fucking convenient? Very, very convenient. Yeah, yeah so what's your I source that any that, of this though. ever happened? Because I believe that was some source if you gave me these photos. I reckon, do you know what I reckon you could do? Is go to the mountain and see if there's two massive airplane wings sticking out of And let me tell you, a lot of people have tried that. If you look at the, um... 
uh, Wikipedia page of Mount Ararat, there's a whole section called Resting Place of Noah's Ark where people have, you know, oh. tried and no one's ever found anything because, of course, they fucking haven't. <laughs> um, this would not be the only occasion upon which these mountain-based curiosities were encountered by U.S. military personnel, however. And then the next section is called witnesses speak and we'll get to that next episode oh you ugh, such a cliffhanger <laughs> i know Crikey. what we should do what we should what should we do we should go to ararat victoria beat <laughs> everyone to the, the punch <laughs> and find noah's ark <laughs> <laughs> we get there, we're like the whole episode's just like, like, like no I can't see it yeah. and we never we never tell that it's Noah's Ark because there's just like a regular boat and we're like well that's a regular boat <laughs> I do think it's it's 200 kilometers inland so okay if there's a boat there we can probably safely assume that it's that it's Noah's Ark Noah's that's Ark. the only explanation <laughs> alright well join us for our live episode in Ararat Australia <laughs> <laughs> um, putting all yeah. the eggs in that basket I assume then okay what is we, should we set up some sort of traditions for what we do every episode we've not talked a lot about how, no. this, how this podcast is going to work um, um, what's uh, what's the thing that made you say crikey the most this episode okay uh, the fucking size of that airplane probably <laughs> that was pretty crikey um, but if I had to choose something it would probably be the fact that Garden of Eden is definitely on Mars. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's pretty good outlandish. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I never saw that one coming, so it really hit me um, right in the crikey. <laughs> Should we make a, a more conceited effort to, to, to say crikey? <laughs> I guess that's our brand. I, fe- I, I felt we're really, <laughs> really crikey it up there. So <laughs> I was just about to ask the same question, girl. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to Crikey. What a shit book! <laughs> the best named podcast maybe ever. Um, I agree. All right, follow us on Twitter at CrikeyBook. <laughs> or don't. You don't have to. You don't have to, but you can. Send us no. an email. Uh, Send you us don't, emails you don't at crikeypodcast at gmail.com. I will also, send you aliens go, after you if you don't. So, if, uh, if you go to Anchor, um, if you find our show on Anchor, um, you can leave voice memos for us and then we can put them oh, in really yeah the episode so leave us a voice memo if you want our opinion on something sing us a song leave us a voice memo sing us a song tell a friend get your friend to sing us a song um and we'll include it in the episode yeah. we'll include literally anything i want that to be clear do do anything. What do you think about the the two thousand film dinosaur? Yeah, please leave us voice memos asking, telling us what you think about the film dinosaur. I feel like not a lot of people remember that film. I and I think that's a shame. I remember I missed a big portion of it because I went to see it in cinemas, and then my younger brother got too scared at the beginning, so we all like had to leave and get him home, and then we went back in and we just saw like half the movie. 
Oh, why would you? You would surely just go to another screening. I think my dad, you know, he bought those tickets. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you bought the tickets. We're, we're sitting through this. We're sitting through this having not yeah. seen most of it. Give us a voice moment with your experience of Dinosaur. And Please thank you for in. listening. You, God, I really want to watch Dinosaur now. <laughs> oh in like 15 years. All right. Well, we're going to make a, a band camp. Subscribe to our band camp where we'll put a vocal commentary of us watching oh, Dinosaur. Can we though? Can we actually? I want to watch Dinosaur. <laughs> I know. All right, bye. Bye.